Last night, we talked about hastening the Lord's coming. And we talked about not receiving the Holy Spirit until we have made full confession and and repentance of the sin that so easily besets us. And this morning, I want to break that down a little bit more. I want to take that topic, that sin that so easily beset us, and I want to look at it in a way so we can understand. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 12 verse 1, let, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. The Bible makes sure that it was written in the singular form. It's, it does not say sins. It just said sin. God is saying we need to cut down the tree that bears the fruit of our sin at the root. We need to pluck it out by faith. So this morning we are here to discover, based upon the Word of God, what is the origin? What is the root? What is it that we have to pluck out of our lives? so that we can receive the power of the Holy Spirit, so the work of God can be finished, and Jesus can come back. Amen? Amen. So this morning, the topic, if you want one, simply is the sin that so easily besets us. Let us look in Isaiah chapter 14. We want to discover the origin of sin. So let's go back to the inception of it. Isaiah chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. Isaiah 14, verse 12. The Bible says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which this weakened the nation? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. There's much that we can discuss from these, this passage. But very simply, Satan, who was once Lucifer, he said, I will do this. I want that. I must be like that. Satan's gaze, his perspective, what he was looking at, somehow, perhaps we will never understand how in all eternity, but somehow, his eyes turned towards himself. He became infatuated with this word, I, me, myself, This is what I want. This is what I must have. I, I, I. And that, my friends, is the root of sin. I, self, me, Satan. The moment that he lost his gaze upon the Son of God, he did not look at God as his all in all. He looked at himself. The moment he came to that point, He became Satan. And he lost his place in heaven because he was more concerned about himself 
than God. And that is true, is it not? That is the foundation, the very foundation, the basis, the root of all sin. Let's look in Genesis chapter 3. We're familiar with this story. The, the, the serpent came into the garden and beguiled Eve. And he was more subtle than any beast of the field. And he came to the woman and he said, Did God say ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Immediately, the sat- uh, Satan through the serpent was saying, Look, God is keeping something from you. There's something better for you than what God is thinking. You can be the judge of your own desires. You can think for yourself better than God. And the serpent continues, he says, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So Satan was appealing to the inner self of Eve. He was saying, you are more important. You think for yourself. You do what feels good. Just do it. And, and Eve, he, she looked at the fruit and she said, Hmm, that tree, it looks good for food and must taste pretty good. Not only that, it was pleasant to the eyes. Why, that looks nice. Maybe I can you know, take a few and decorate my shells with it. The tree to be desired to make one wise. I want to be wise. I want to be a little better. Maybe God really is hiding something from me. So she took the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also to her husband with her. And he did eat. Very from the, from the first sin, the foundation is self. Eve thought more about herself. She thought, what can I get out of this? What is in it for me? More than what did God say? What's in it for God? Is God really... Am I really going to listen to Him? And from then on, ever after, every sin that arrives, that surfaces within our lives, all has the foundation of self. Wars have been fought over lust, over greed, over pride and reputation. We want to get more money. We don't spend enough time in the Word of God because we want to get better education, to get a better house, a bigger boat, have nicer vacations, go farther away. This is the life that we are living. A life that is revolved, centered, encompassed with ourselves and nothing else. And the son of Adam and Eve, Cain, he saw Abel. His offering was, was accepted. Mine was not. Why? And he was jealous. Instead of thinking, Lord, what have I done wrong? He says, God, you have treated me wrong. And Abel, oh, little brother, you're going to pay for this. And that was the first murder. Over what? Over self. Cain loved himself more than God, more than his brother, more than his family. Self is the root of sin. And we ask the question, how can we possibly not be selfish? What is this? What, what, what's this problem that we're all faced with? It's a problem, isn't it? And as a Christian, Jesus Christ 
is our example, is it not? And in the Bible, it gives us a solemn warning. In 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let us look there. 2 Timothy chapter 3. A text I'm sure many of you have heard before. 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 1. This know also that in the last days, and my friends, I don't know about you, but I believe I'm living in the last days. And the Bible says, perilous times shall come, or dangerous times will come. In this verse, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy says, in the last day, the times will become dangerous. In the last days, things will not be safe any longer. And in the next few verses, he explains why. And what does it say? Notice, it's a long list for the next few verses. But the first thing that Paul mentions, he says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves. The reason why in the last days the times are so dangerous, the reason why the time we're living in is so perilous, is because people love themselves too much. You go out in the streets and people care about me, 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 what I can get, what's in it for me. That is the root of evil. And you look at the list. Everything stems out of a love or an obsession with self. Look at verse 4. The last two things that it mentions. It says they are lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure. Or simply put, they love themselves more than God. they rather please themselves, have a good time, than do what God says. And my friends, you may be thinking, well, that's the case through all the ages. Ever since Eve ate of that fruit, through the ages, there have always been sinful human beings who love themselves more than God. We, we hear of all the atrocities, the holocaust, the world wars, the, uh, the crusades in the Middle Ages. All of these things stems from a love of self. But why does it say in the last days this will be an especial pro- a, a real problem? Why does it say that? Because look at the very next verse. It says, "These people that love are their lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof." Now, my friends, what does it mean to have a form? A form means the appearance, the look, the shape. Of godliness? Wait a second. These people, they look godly in other words. On all, based on all outward appearances, they are good people. They go to church. They read their Bible every so often. They talk nice. They don't curse. They give their offerings, maybe. They are not the type of people that you expect to find as the bums on the street smoking and drinking taking drugs. No, these are good people. These are people sitting in the pews in our churches. Good people that have a form of godliness. But, the Bible says, the last days it will be dangerous. Why? Because those people, church members, will be lovers of their own selves more than lovers of God. Is that the problem in the church today? Can it be? Lovers of our own selves more than lovers of God? Come on! That can't possibly be the case in our church today. No, it just can't be. 
But why is it that, my friends, people walk into the church and they, have, they, they come in and they feel so unwelcomed. They say, I don't want to go back to that church because nobody cares about me. You go to an Adventist church, a, a youth group, any church, the visitors sit by themselves. The church members gather together by themselves because we love ourselves too much. We don't care about other people. We just want to have our good time with our friends. For young people, we want to flirt with that boy or that girl. But where are the visitors going? They're going home. Never coming back. Because the church loves ourselves too much. And people come into the church now, young people, older people alike, they say, 10%! Oh! I can't give that much money. I have to support a family. We love ourselves too much. People come to church, that music, oh, it just broke me the wrong way. I'm never coming to that church again. That music, it just bothers me. We come to church to feel good. That pastor, that preacher, oh, I can't believe it. He does not know how to speak. My little brother can speak better than him. Perhaps we're coming to the church for the wrong reasons. We come to church to gratify ourselves. We're Christian because we want to get to heaven, not because we want to be like Jesus. We love ourselves so much that many times we do the right things for the wrong reasons. We come to church because we want to do the right thing. But yet members... We spend more time planning for our vacations. We spend more effort investing our money for our retirement. We spend more energy getting that 4.0 to get to that school, to make that money, to buy our yacht. But we're not spending much time in the Word of God. We're not spending much time getting Bible studies. We're not spending much time working in the field, the mission field, where hundreds of thousands of millions of people are perishing for lack of knowledge of God. We love ourselves too much. And we come to church on Sabbath, but we know in our hearts, Friday afternoon, we pray, Lord, You did it for Joshua. Make the sun stand still a little longer. Saturday evening comes, we're in our cars, ignition started, <clears throat> waiting for the sun to just dip past the horizon, and bam, we're off to the mall, bam, we're off to the restaurant. We just can't wait for the Sabbath to be over, because we want to do our own thing. Sabbath is over. I've paid that part of my, my seven, uh, one and seventh of a week. We love ourselves too much. But then there's still the opposite extreme. The opposite extreme where people, they have to be so holy so that they will feel like they're something. Oh, we have to talk a certain way. We have certain lingo. We have to have this front. When people talk to us, we have to have a handkerchief for them to touch us. When we talk to them, we have to use specific words. How are you today, brother? Oh, I'm blessed. Thank you. There's both extremes, and both extremes it is an excuse 
to satisfy, to gratify ourselves. The devil doesn't care whether you're an extreme liberal, an extreme conservative, fanatic on both ends. He does not care. He just doesn't want you to be like Jesus. And the moment that we love ourselves more than God, we have stepped into the snare of Satan, just like Eve stepped into his snare in the Garden of Eden. So what... what do you love yourself more than, more than God? Because the Bible says, the Bible says in 2 Timothy verse chapter 3, having a form of godliness but denying the what? The power. And the word for power is what? Dunamis. As long as we cling to ourselves, as long as we love ourselves more than God, we can never receive the dunamis of God. And if we don't receive the dunamis power of God, Jesus cannot come back. God does not want us just to do more activities, sit in church a couple more Sabbaths, give a couple more dollars for our offering. He wants us to have the Spirit of God. And but first, we must deny ourselves so that we can be like Jesus. There's a story that I'm thinking about right now. It's found in Mark chapter 10. Turn there with me. Mark chapter 10. It's a story about this guy called the rich young ruler. Now this guy, he asked a very important question. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? That's a good question. Vitally important, is it not? That's a question that we all should have an answer to. But this rich young ruler, who is he? He comes to Jesus. First of all, he's rich. He's wealthy. He's young. In fact, Mark tells us that this young man came running to Jesus, I believe. There came one running. And this young man, who is healthy, who is wealthy, who is also a Jew, by today's standards, he can be called a young, healthy, wealthy, Seventh-day Adventist Christian. North American, I might add. Comes to Jesus. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus, we're not going to go through the whole story. Jesus puts his finger on the exact problem that he has in his life. Jesus, beholding him in verse 21, loved him and said, One thing thou lackest. Can Jesus, is Jesus looking at you right now and He's saying, you lack one thing. There's one thing you lack. And my friends, perhaps it's the same thing that this rich young ruler is lacking. What is that? Jesus says, go thy way. Sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come, take up the cross and follow me. Jesus looked at this rich young ruler. He said, you want to go to heaven. You want to have eternal life. But yet, you love yourself too much. You love your wealth too much. You have too much. And you care about that more than me. Jesus saw the rich young ruler with one hand reaching out for eternity, reaching out for God in heaven, while the other hand is firmly clasped to his checkbook. Jesus saw exactly the problem in his heart. So he gave him this prescription. Deny yourself. Give everything that you have away. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. Put your, put your full trust, first priority in the things of God. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. But my friends, the rich young ruler, he went away sorrowful. Very sorrowful because he was very rich. Do we love ourselves too much that we are willing to forsake, forfeit eternal salvation for that pleasure, for that relationship, for that achievement that we're trying to have? And my friends, let me bring this one step closer to home. This rich young ruler came to Jesus. He's, he's asking the Lord, I want to go to heaven, but I want to still love myself. So many times we come to church. We're Christians, but yet we cry out, I want to go to heaven. But the reason we are saying that is not because we want something better for God or for the world. We are just afraid of hell. The only reason why we sit in the pews in church, the only reason we go to church is because we want to go to heaven. That's the primary goal in our life. But I want to ask you this question. If there was no heaven, if there was no pearly gates to walk through, if there was no New Jerusalem, if you never get to fly, uh, fly with the eagles and live for all eternity, will you still be a Christian? Will you still be an Adventist? That takes a step closer, doesn't it? Because Christianity, my friends, is not just going to heaven. Christianity is not just about saving ourselves. If that is the only purpose we come to church, we love ourselves too much. Because Jesus came to this earth and He said, I will die for all eternity for you to have a chance to be saved. Can you say the same thing? Do you have a greater, more noble uh, goal that you're achieving? Something that you're going towards that is more than just saving yourself? Look with me in Exodus chapter 32. Exodus 32 is a story of Moses. It is a story about the golden calf. Moses comes down from the mountain. He destroys the covenant tablets upon the golden calf, grinds it up into powder, makes the people drink the gold. And he says, I'm going up the, the mountain to make restitution between you and God. Pray for me there. And in the mountain, God tells Moses, let me just wipe out these people from the face of this earth, these people that are stubborn, rebellious, stiff-necked. And I'll start a new nation out of your seed, Moses. Now, if, in, if it was any selfish ordinary human being we would have said sure go ahead save me a lot of trouble but look at what Moses says Exodus 32 verse 32 Moses says yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin dash this is the only hyphen I have found yet in the King James version of the Bible Moses here is, is pausing for an indefinite amount of time, praying, thinking, what should I say next? And these are the words that come out of his mouth. He says, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. And that book, my friends, is the book of life. Moses is saying, on behalf of these rebellious, stiff-necked, self-loving people, God blot me out of existence for them to be saved. Can you say that about the 
wicked, sinful people that you love to hate around you? Moses said, I would rather die for all eternity if it means for them to be saved. Moses' Christianity was more than just going to heaven. Moses' Christianity was being like Jesus. And Paul says the same thing. You can read it for yourself in Romans chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. He says, I would, be, I would rather that I be accursed for your sake. If you would be saved, Paul would be willing to give up eternal salvation. Can you say the same thing? Do you love yourselves so much that you would rather live in all eternity while you know that you did not do everything that you could for other people to be saved? Jesus, as He was carrying His cross to Golgotha, He saw the women weeping for Him. He said, Weep not for Me, O daughters of Jerusalem. Weep for yourselves and your children. Even when the burden of the cross was upon Him, Jesus cared not. He despised the shame and endured the cross. Jesus said, If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, let thy will be done, not mine. Jesus had every reason in the world to just get up and go back to heaven. But he stayed because he loved not himself. They were parting his garments. He says, forgive them for they know not what they do. Hanging on the cross between heaven and earth, separated by a dark cloud from the face of his Father, no sympathizing hand to, to wipe the sweat and blood off his brow. He was hanging there, and yet he said to the thief to his right hand, Verily I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. With musical notes in his voice. Can you imagine? That is Jesus. And that is who he wants us to be like. And after the crucifixion of Christ, the disciples finally learned their lesson. They finally understood what it meant when Jesus said, Come, follow me. Jesus meant, deny yourself. You must love God more than father, mother, brother, sister. You must come and be like me. Take up the cross and follow me. And it was finally after Jesus was resurrected, after Jesus spent 40 more days with them, after He was ascended up to heaven, it was only then that the early church, the apostles, they finally stopped bickering about who will be the greatest. Finally, they had all things in common. They came into one accord. They were unified. They finally understood. And it was only when they started praying for the lost world around them, only then, did the rain, the early rain, fall on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 converted in one day. The power for these 12 men to go to all the world in one generation. So why have we not received the latter rain of the Holy Spirit? Why have we not gotten the power, the dunamis, to go to all the world in one generation? How come we don't see 3,000 people getting baptized in one day? 
It is because, my friends, within our ranks we are still fighting over who is the greatest. We still have Judas is among us fighting for the purse strings. We still have Peter's who think that they're Christians, but they love themselves so much that they denied their Lord three times in one night. We love ourselves too much. We still think about how much we can grow our membership, what we can do to have more money, what to do with our investments, with the tithe money. This is the type of thing we're worrying about. We're not praying for the dunamis power. We're not praying about the world around us, the nation, kindred, tongue, and people that have not heard the everlasting gospel. Until our gaze is not fixated on ourselves and turned to Jesus, until that happens, we will not have the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at the early church. They had all things in common. And we still complain about giving offerings and tithes. It was when the church was willing to go days and nights without money, sometimes hungry, with, no, with, with just one set of clothing to preach the gospel. That was when the gospel went to all the world. That was when the, when the Holy Spirit came. And we are still worried about how we dress. We are still so concerned about the petty things of life based on what we like about ourselves. But friends, we need to change the perspective. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, at the end of the chapter, beginning in verse 39, says, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, Receive not the promise. The people mentioned through the entire chapter of Hebrews 11, these men and women of great faith, they have not received the promise. They're still sleeping in their graves. They have not yet ascended up to heaven. They have not yet been given immortality. They've had a good report in faith, but they haven't received the prize at the end of their race. 40. God having provided something better for us that they, without us, should not be made perfect. We are the limiting factor. We look at ourselves so much, we still say, oh, but that's not a salvational issue. We still love ourselves so much that says, God can't possibly want us to give up that music. I mean, it's just music. That's not a salvational issue. God doesn't care about how I dress. It's not a salvational issue. God doesn't care about how I spend my time. It's not a salvational issue. He doesn't care about what friends I have. It's not a salvational issue. But yet, my friends, sure, those things may not be salvational issues, but your attitude, the love that you have for yourself, that is a salvational issue. God doesn't want us to have a checklist and see how close we can squeak by the pearly gates. God wants us to be like Jesus, to deny ourselves completely and to do whatever it takes. And now we have a different perspective because it's not just us anymore. There has been generations, hundreds, thousands, perhaps millions in the past who are sleeping in the dust of the ground. Figuratively speaking, their blood cries out, 
Look to Jesus. Stop loving yourselves. Think about us. The longer you delay, the longer you look at yourself, the longer we have to stay in our graves. We have more than just ourselves to worry about in our Christian walk. There are those who have died before. There are the lost in the world around us now. There is also Jesus who is waiting for us to get ready so He can come. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Laying aside self once and for all, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let us look to Jesus because He is the example. He loved Himself, not He loved us more. He couldn't see through the portals of the tomb when He was on the cross. But He said it's worth it for you to have a chance. God gave all. What is our all compared to God's all? Petty. But yet, we still love ourselves so much. So this morning, there are many of us who perhaps have never, ever had this perspective before. Perhaps it's the first time you begin to realize, wait a second, my Christian experience is not just about going to heaven. It's not just about me and and myself and I. That's the snare of the devil. But my Christianity is about being like Jesus and in turn, when I am like Jesus, other people will then be one to the kingdom. And God's name will be vindicated and we can be on our way home. For those of you who for today, for the first time you have heard, you have seen this new perspective, we have some serious reconsideration to do. Perhaps the priorities of our lives have been skewed. Perhaps it's time now for us to look at our things in our lives and make amends. And to continue now walking according to the path that Jesus walked. And for us to truly take up our cross, to deny ourselves, and to follow Him. Because the longer we love ourselves, the longer Jesus will have to wait. So that is your decision. If you want to say today, Lord, I want to see with these new eyes. Reveal to me in what way that I am pleasing and loving myself more than I am pleasing and loving you. Reveal that to me and help me to change. If that is your desire, if that is truly your goal, if that is truly the response of your heart this morning, please raise your hand. Amen. Please join me on your feet as we continue this morning as we pray and make this commitment to the Lord that we must empty ourselves like Jesus empties Himself that we can become workers with the dunamis power of God
to finish the race. Let us pray. Father in heaven, this morning you have spoken to our hearts. You have given us a new perspective. Our lives is not just about us. There are clouds of witnesses. The angels in heaven looking down on us, asking us, how long are you going to just look at yourselves? What about the rest of the universe? We want to get rid of this sin problem. And the blood of those saints who have died in times past cry out to us, look to Jesus and finish the race. Deny yourself and press forward for we have slept long enough. And Jesus is looking down upon us today, this Sabbath morning, and crying out, My people, my people, will you please finally look to me? Will you love me more? Will you be willing to surrender yourself to me? Because I am the author and finisher of your faith. And Lord, today we come to you in faith that you will pull out this sin this mountain before us and plant it in the sea that we may receive the dunamis power that we may come into one accord that we may see the salvation of our God bless us this day continue to work with us help us through our sin our sinful selfish eyes to see past ourselves but to see the cross of Calvary to see Jesus Christ waiting with eager anticipation to come back to claim His children and to see the many multitudes who are waiting for the great resurrection morning. May we heed your call. May we run with patience the race that is set before us. Give us your Spirit. Help us to be like Jesus. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.